The left's censorship of conservatives has now kicked into high gear. Google has placed at least 21 videos from Prager University, an educational nonprofit designed to tell young people about conservative issues of interest in restricted mode, preventing young people from seeing them. Google admitted that they, quote, take into consideration what the intent of the video is, meaning they're happy to shut down anyone who presents political positions they just don't like. Meanwhile, Peter Thiel, a Silicon Valley investment guru who spoke at the RNC, has faced serious backlash. Calls to oust him from the board of Facebook have grown over the past few weeks. The New York Times reported just yesterday, quote, the news last week that Mr. Thiel was giving $1.25 million to the Republicans' campaign is provoking outrage. And tech executives who work with the billionaire investors are, beginning for, uh, are being forced to explain why they plan to continue to do business with him, unquote. To his credit, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, who's a hardcore Democrat, defended Thiel. He said, we care deeply about diversity. That's easy to say when it means standing up for ideas you agree with. It's a lot harder when it means standing up for the rights of people with different viewpoints to say what they care about. That's even more important. But that's what prominent leftists will say publicly. How many of them will continue to do business with Thiel without external pressure forcing them to do so? How many of them will quietly kill business deals? How many of them will shut Thiel out, making him an outsider in his own industry? Leftists have been doing this for years. That's how Mozilla Firefox CEO Brendan Eich ended up ousted over supporting traditional marriage. It's why Democratic mayors from Boston to Chicago threatened Chick-fil-A for its ownership support of traditional marriage. It's why Hollywood Republicans get blacklisted for even the mildest form of conservatism. It's why speakers like me get banned from college campuses. The left is fascistic in their approach to interpersonal relations. It's not enough to disagree with somebody. That person must be excised from polite society. So that means the right has to fight back. There are two ways you can do that. First, you can give to organizations like PragerU, which is a really great place, that have been victimized by the left. Second, turnabout is fair play. Leftists must feel the pain of mutually assured destruction. The second tactic is something Republicans are always loath to do, since it's something with which we kind of disagree. But if the left isn't made to understand that a polite society relies on a basic agreement between all of the parties not to destroy one another based on political differences, they'll continue to destroy the right while we continue to pay them to do so. The right has been using its market power to fight the left by turning off the TV with regard to the NFL. Conservatives can do this more broadly and more specifically. It's harsh, it's nasty, it's necessary in a world built by the left, and yes, rigged to the detriment of those who disagree. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so we apologize for people who normally watch this on Facebook at the very beginning. We apologize to the people who normally watch this live at Daily Wire. We've had some technical difficulties. The entire internet has apparently been taken down by Donald Trump's mythical 400-pound man living in a basement somewhere. Twitter is down right now. Facebook is kind of down right now. And and the internet is, is giving everybody all sorts of trouble. But there's lots to talk about, so don't worry, we'll get to all of it. But first, we have to say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. So if you are somebody who's interested in investing in precious metals, If you look at the market right now and you say to yourself, my goodness, I have no clue where this is going. You at least want to put part of your portfolio in precious metals. I have part of my portfolio in precious metals. The people at Birch Gold Group are the folks you want to talk to about that. Their website is birchgold.com slash Ben. And that's how you get a no-cost, no-obligation kit that tells you how you can protect your savings. It's a 16-page kit about how you move your IRA, 401k into precious metals, and, and there are no tax consequences for doing so. Obviously, you can also go to their website, ask all your questions, get all your answers. And then if you're interested, 
interested in investing, work with birchgold.com slash Ben, birchgold.com slash Ben. Use, use the slash Ben so that people know that we sent you and they continue to advertise with us, which makes this show possible and all of the technical abilities that we've demonstrated today. So, we, be, so we begin today with the collapse of Obamacare. So the Democrats, the, the, the craziness surrounding Trump Clinton has overshadowed everything in the world, but the Democrats are truly collapsing. Obamacare is toast. The, the premiums are rising dramatically. They were always designed to do this. Now, the Democrats are, are panicking a little bit because they realize there's a backlash and Obamacare isn't popular. But Obamacare was always designed to do this. See, the regime of Obamacare was the idea that we were going to find basically young, healthy people into buying insurance, and they would buy, they'd pay really, really expensive insurance that they don't need in order to redistribute that insurance coverage to old people who are already sick and have pre-existing conditions. That was the basic notion behind Obamacare, that young people who are earning an income were going to pay for older people and, and poorer people. That was the idea. And Medicaid was going to be expanded in the states. The federal government would pick up a lot of the a lot of the requirements at the beginning, but sooner or later, the states would take over this expanded Medicaid burden so that poor people could join Medicaid for free, and that would count as Obamacare. That was part of the, part of the routine. Well, a lot of the states said, we're not expanding Medicaid. We're not, you can't force us to do that, and we're not going to do that, and you can all go stick it. What that's meant is skyrocketing premiums for young people, skyrocketing premiums for a lot of people who want a better plan because their doctor is no longer covered under the new Obamacare plans. Uh, it's meant that a lot of services are covered now that don't have to be. Like, for example, I believe that under the new Obamacare rules, every person is eligible to receive a breast pump, which works great for my wife since she's nursing. It doesn't work as well for me since I'm not. But Obamacare is filled with these kind of stupidities. The idea was that they were going to destroy the the insurance industry where it stands. So they get the insurance industry on board. The insurance industry says Obamacare is wondrous. It's great. Look at all these new signups. And then they'd have to raise the rates because it turns out that you can't keep the rates low while you're paying for people with pre-existing conditions. And then the next step would be, okay, we need a government option. Well, now we're reaching the point where people on the left are saying, now we get to go to the, the inevitable next step. It's government option time, because obviously the insurance markets can't keep up with all these new requirements we've put on them because they're evil and greedy. Not because the requirements are stupid, but because we're, because they're evil and greedy. So now Obama's trying to make that case, and he accidentally makes the worst case for Obamacare in history. When a, one of these companies comes out with a new smartphone, then it has a few bugs. What do they do? They fix it. They upgrade it. Unless it catches fire, then they just... <laughs> then they pull it off the market. But you don't go back to using a rotary phone. Okay, so he realizes, he realizes halfway through that joke that he just made a big boo-boo. Right? That's why he pauses there, because what he's saying, he just compared Obamacare to the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, which has been exploding, like literally melting down and bursting into flames. It's been banned on airplanes. And he, even, he admits it. He says, you know, when, when something bursts into flames, you have to recall it. Right, like Obamacare. What he's actually arguing for, however, is that we should all, in, instead of worrying about the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, we should stick it up to our face, burn off our skin, and then we should replace it with the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 government-sponsored edition. Was, they say, look, there's nothing worth defending in Obamacare. It's a garbage plan. It always was a garbage plan, and now it's failing because Obama wanted it to fail, and he's embarrassed by it, so he's going to try and blame it on somebody else. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton is having trouble, too. Yesterday, she was at a press conference, or she was, or she was at some sort of event, and one of the reporters asked her about James O'Keefe and these allegations that people were, were in, in her employ were attempting to 
create violence at Trump rallies and were participating in voter fraud. The guy standing behind her, by the way, is uh, John Podesta, alpha male John Podesta. Here's Hillary Clinton uh, dressed in Christian Bale's outfit from Equilibrium. Uh, and, uh, and here she's asked a tough question. Here's what she does. If they are found to have, you know, uh, I know nothing about this. I'm not, you know, I, I can't deal with every one of his conspiracy theories. But I hope you all have something to eat and something to drink on the way back to New York. Thank you. And everybody laughs. And then Hillary tries to run off the plane while it's in the middle of the flight. Uh, so, it, it, so, I mean, they're all running from this. Now, to be fair, Trump is also running from questions. He was asked yesterday by a reporter, not about specific allegations, but about the idea that he's a sexist and a racist, and here's how Trump treated it. Oh, we don't have it? Okay, fine. So Trump ran from questions as well. In any case, that's one from Twitter, I think, and Twitter's down. So ruining everything. Uh, but in any case, Trump ran from some questions as well. All this was, was prelude to the Al Smith dinner. So the Al Smith dinner is this routine they have in New York City every, I, I think they have it every year, I would assume, but every four years is when it gets publicized because the presidential nominees show up to do a comedy bit. And it's a charity event, so that makes it acceptable. If it were not a charity bit, I would really dislike this event as much as I dislike the White House press correspondence dinner, uh, which I really, really dislike. The, the so-called nerd prom, all of these these fancy people with their fancy suits and their tuxes, all pretending to love each other and demonstrating that there is a, a super elite in our country who hobnob with each other. You sort of get the same feeling from the Al Smith dinner, but at least they were attempting to raise money for charity. Normally at the Al Smith dinner, the idea is that the two candidates get up and they sort of softly rip each other while making self-deprecating jokes, right? It's supposed to be kind of a, yes, we're getting near the election, but we're all Americans and we can all laugh at ourselves and isn't this fun, right? It's sort of a respite from the, from the normal political rigmarole. And in past days, it's easier to have good feelings about people on the other side when you feel like you have something in common with them. The reason that we watch comedies in theaters and you don't watch comedy movies alone is because when everybody is laughing, it creates a feeling of community. It's very hard to do comedy in a place where there's no feeling of community. Okay, so at the Al Smith, that, at the Al Smith dinner last night, after having destroyed the electoral cycle and, and politics generally, and decency, and truth, and hope, Hillary and, and Trump turn to destroying comedy. And then they take it out back and shoot it like Old Yeller. So Donald Trump starts off, and he starts off with some jokes that are sort of self-deprecating, nothing, nothing really strict. And as you'll see, it's, you know what, let, let's call it good Trump, bad Trump, because this is good Trump, bad Trump, if we've, if we've got the theme. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? Oh, yeah, everybody's excited about good Trump, bad Trump. So we begin with some good Trump. Yay, good Trump. So Trump starts off, and this is what he's supposed to be good at, right? I mean, the reason we nominated him is because we wanted someone who was entertaining and good in front of a camera. And so now he gets to do a comedy routine. Okay, great. This should, this should play to his strengths. He starts off, and it starts off fine. Here he is. Uh, here he is kind of making a self-deprecating joke. We love it. Governor Cuomo, our great senators. Hi, Chuck. He used to love me when I was a Democrat, you know. <laughs> and I don't know what Chuck Schumer is saying to him. Uh, he just looks very angry about life. But, but there's Trump making the joke about how he used to be a Democrat. There are those of us who would joke that he still is. But in any case, he continues to, to joke along these lines. And it's fine. It's fine. Here he is talking about how the, the media and the politicians have turned on him. The politicians. They've had me to their homes. They've introduced me to their children. I've become their best friends in many instances. Uh, they've asked for my endorsement, and they always wanted my money. 
and even called me really a dear, dear friend, but then suddenly decided when I ran for president as a Republican that I've always been a no-good, rotten, disgusting scoundrel, and they totally forgot about me. But that's okay. You know, they say when you do this kind of an event, you always start out with a self-deprecating joke. Some people think this would be tough for me, but the truth is, <laughs> okay, this is the part of the event that I hate is when we all pretend to like each other. But in any case, he, he, he does this routine. He says that, and you can see it's already getting awkward, right? It's starting to get awkward because people know that there's a lot of truth to what he's saying. They used to treat him nicely until he disagreed with them politically, and then they decided he was scum of the earth. Uh, and he continues to, to tell some funny jokes, and then the worm turns. There are a few more here that are sort of funny, self-deprecating, okay. And it's uh, here we'll, we'll continue with the good Trump, because some of these are, pr are pretty decent zingers. And even tonight, oh God. with all of the heated back and forth between my opponent and me at the debate last night, we have proven that we can actually be civil to each other. In fact, just before taking the dais, Hillary accidentally bumped into me, and she very civilly said, pardon me. And I very politely replied, let me talk to you about that after I get into office. Okay, so then he continues along these lines, uh, and he rips, he, rips into the, he rips into the media, uh, and, uh, and again, this is, all, of this is, all of this is fine and dandy. The best joke that he told of the night was the one about Melania Trump, if we can go to that one. And so we'll skip one and go to the Melania Trump one. Which one is this? Skip one. Uh, not with Hillary. You know, the president told me to stop whining. But I really have to say, the media is even more biased this year than ever before. Ever. You want the proof? Michelle Obama gives a speech, and everyone loves it. It's fantastic. They think she's absolutely great. My wife, Melania, gives the exact same speech. And people get on her case. Okay, so this is Trump being charming, right? This is funny stuff. Okay, and then it starts to go south. And now we turn to bad Trump. And what you'll see is Trump, it, it is telling about how these candidates are as human beings. Trump is a guy who plays to the crowd. So when the crowd turns against him, you will see he turns angry and vicious, and uh, and he begins to let the rage monster inside out, and he starts tipping over tables and hitting people with wine glasses and such, and it, it gets wild. So here it is. He actually gets booed at this dinner, and here's where it begins. I'd like to address an important religious matter, the issue of going to confession, or as Hillary calls it, the 4th of July weekend with FBI Director Comey. Now, I'm told Hillary 
went to confession before tonight's event. But the priest was having a hard time when he asked her about her sins, and she said she couldn't remember 39 times. It's amused. Yeah. Hillary is so corrupt. She got kicked off the Watergate Commission. And everybody starts booing, and he just, and, and he loses it because now they're booing him, and he didn't expect that. But you can see, even before that, he's starting to get angry. He's actually going into campaign mode. So he actually, it, it gets worse. Here, here Trump is talking about WikiLeaks. These are not jokes anymore, folks. This is just him yelling at Hillary Clinton in front of a crowd of people at a charity dinner because that's what this election has become. Watch the guy who is sitting directly to Trump's left, the the, the kind of balding fellow. Um, I, I believe somewhere in here you see an epic face when, when Trump drops one of these jokes. He, he kind of loses his mind. We've learned so much from WikiLeaks. For example, Hillary believes that it's vital to deceive the people by having one public policy and a totally so different policy in private. That's okay. I don't know who they're angry at, Hillary. You're right. Uh, you. For example, here she is tonight in public pretending not to hate Catholics. Okay, and the crowd loses their mind, right? I mean, they go crazy. And everybody, look, I mean, look at this is a comedy routine. Look at the faces in this crowd. I mean, this is a morgue. I mean, it's, it's bad. And then he, I love it that he pre-wrote the speech, obviously, you have to. And the way he continues is pretty hysterical because no one's laughing. They're all booing him. And it's just, wow. So here he is. Now, if some of you haven't noticed, Hillary isn't laughing as much as the rest of us. That's because she knows the jokes. And all of the jokes were given to her in advance of the Cardinal dinner Dolan looks like he by wants Donna to die. Brazil, which is, everyone knows, of course, Hillary's belief that it takes a village, which only makes sense, after all, in places like Haiti, where she's taken a number of them. This is wow. Thank you. They're calling the card. Are calling card. Don't want get up there, save us. And he looks down. He says, nice "No." My opponent, Hillary, has been in Washington a long time. She knows a lot about how government works, and according to her sworn testimony, Hillary has forgotten more things than most of us will ever, ever know. That I can tell you. Okay, and just stone faces all around. Remember, these are supposed to be laugh lines. They all look like they want to crawl into a hole and die. So Donald Trump turning the laughter into tears <laughs> at, the, at the Al Smith dinner. So he does this, and now the crowd obviously wants to be on Hillary's side. This is this election in a nutshell. I mean, it's just what should have been laughter and joy turns to misery and, and ashes in the mouth. Hillary's got all the, the crowd's on her side now, right? She's the victim. She's the victim. And she can't help herself either, because Hillary's a bad person, too. So Hillary gets up there, and she, too, starts off with some friendly jokes, and then things start to go south. So she begins with, with some self-deprecating jokes. Most of the humor is supposed to be self-deprecating, uh, and she, she starts on, on that note. This is such a special event that 
I took a break from my rigorous nap schedule to be here. <laughs> and as you've already heard, it's a treat for all of you too, because usually I charge a lot for speeches like this. Okay, so first of all, all you're going to get are polite titters from the audience because Hillary Clinton delivering jokes. I mean, this is like HAL 2000 delivering jokes right before he drops Dave out of an airlock. I mean, it's, it really is it's really quite awful. But, but her jokes are, are a lot friendlier than Trump's at the beginning, and then she ratchets them up. So we'll play a few more of the friendly jokes to be fair to Hillary Clinton, which is something that I don't know why we bother to do, but we do. And, uh, and here she is kind of telling her more cutesy jokes. Now, I've got to say, there are a lot of friendly faces here in this room, people that I've been privileged to know and to work with. I just want to put you all in a basket of adorables. <laughs> and you look so good in your tuxes, or as I refer to them, formal pantsuits. Okay, weak material, um, but don't worry, it gets better. So she she did a better job in her in her speech than he did of mixing it up. So Trump's first half of his routine here was all Trump just telling self-deprecating jokes, and the second half of the routine was I'm going to take Hillary Clinton out into the woods somewhere and hit her with the blunt side of the axe. And then Hillary's was like, okay, I'm going to shiv you, and then I'm going to pat you on the back, and I'm going to shiv you, and then I'm going to pat you on the back. So there is there's sort of a, a more uh, back and forth to, to her speech. She, uh, she, here's where she finally goes on attack against Donald Trump. And, you know, because this is a friendly dinner for such a great cause, Donald, if at any time you don't like what I'm saying, feel free to stand up and shout wrong while I'm talking. <laughs> you know, come to think of it, it's amazing I'm up here after Donald. I didn't think he'd be okay with a peaceful transition of power. <laughs> Okay, and that gets a big laugh because, of course, Trump has been making a big deal out of the rigged and the rigged and the rigged. Uh, and she makes another joke about that, and then she gets to a Statue of Liberty joke. So skip one, and she gets to the Statue of Liberty joke. People look at the Statue of Liberty. Um, People look at the Statue of Liberty, and they see a proud symbol of our history as a nation of immigrants, a beacon of hope for people around the world. Donald looks at the Statue of Liberty and sees a four. A while to get. Maybe a Look five if what? she loses the torch and tablet and changes her hair. And you have the woman in the background explaining to Baldy over here what that meant, what that joke meant. But it's a good joke, actually. The, the idea of Donald Trump rating the sexuality of the Statue uh, of Liberty. And she, she went after Trump a lot harder. She says uh, she started talking about the teleprompter, and she, she really hit him hard for his warmth toward Vladimir Putin. Now, you notice there is no teleprompter here tonight, which is probably smart because maybe you saw Donald dismantle his prompter the other day. And I get that. They're hard to keep up with. And I'm sure it's even harder when you're translating from the original Russian. <laughs> I mean, she, and, and then she goes brutal on Rudy Giuliani. So now she's moving into Trump territory, right? Now she just gets more and more and more brutal. Here is, here is her going after Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani's just sitting there going, what did I do? And she's clocking him with the, with the, I mean, she broke, it's like she broke a champagne glass and now is lunging at his face with it. And look else at the dais. We've got the Honorable Chuck Schumer, the Honorable Andrew Cuomo, the Honorable Mike Bloomberg, the Honorable Bill de Blasio, the Honorable David Dinkins, and so many other wonderful elected officials. And we have Rudy Giuliani. Now, 
Many don't know this, but Rudy actually got his start as a prosecutor, going after wealthy New Yorkers who avoided paying taxes. But as the saying goes, if you can't beat him, go on Fox News and call him a genius. Okay, I mean, that's, this is vicious stuff, and it gets even more vicious. She really goes hard after Donald Trump. And, and the reason I'm, I'm taking time with this, folks, is because, number one, it's revealing about how our political discourse has just become utterly untenable. I mean, there, there's nothing funny about a lot of this. It's just turned into insult comic roasts that are bad. I mean, this is, this is honestly, it's the end of Casino, what they're doing to, what they're doing to comedy right here. And they're hitting it with a shovel and, and burying it in a shallow grave in the middle of Iowa. Um, but he, he, but more than that, wait until you see what the, how the media responds to all of this. So Hillary Clinton, let's go to clip 20, because this is where she really starts going after Trump hard. Now, Republicans in particular seem frustrated with their nominee. Paul Ryan told the Republican members of the House, you, you don't have to support the top of the ticket. Don't worry about anyone besides yourself. Just do what's in your own best interests. So I guess Donald really has unified his party around his core philosophy. And I don't understand their unhappiness. They say Donald doesn't have any policies. He has no policies. I keep hearing that. I'd actually like to defend him on this. Donald has issues, serious issues, <laughs> really, really serious issues. I mean, this is, this is brutality. And then she, and then she pushes again on Putin, and here she goes. But Donald really is as healthy as a horse. You know, the one Vladimir Putin rides around on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a brutal joke. So here's the reaction from the media. Okay, so what you saw here is that Trump went after Hillary and it got very ugly. And you see Hillary goes after Trump in much the same way. And here's the way the media responds. So CNN panel, as you can imagine, not particularly happy with Donald Trump. To David's point and to Gloria's point, the license you get to beat up to zing the other one comes from the self-deprecation. The more you zing yourself, the more license you get to go after the other. Donald Trump did very little self-deprecation. He used his wife as an example, that, or she took one for the team, if you will, with that joke there. And it was very funny. It was, that, that one was very funny. Uh, but look, these two, I agree with everything that has been said before me, uh, that Hillary Clinton was more in the spirit of the event, beat up herself a little bit first in a funny way, and it gave her a license. But... Let's be honest, if we went back and compared this to the last oh, few right. cycles, these two don't like each other. And at the beginning of Donald Trump's uh, uh, speech, he didn't even acknowledge that Hillary Clinton was there. Yeah, the other part of this uh, that I think uh, distinguishes the two is that at the end, she had this statement that was about unity mm -hmm. and about respect for and the And linking it back church. to Al Smith. And linking it back to Al Smith. That's much hey, more. You watch the clips, folks. It's the same. I mean, it's the same thing. Trump is a little more brutal than she was. He, he had less, his comedy writers obviously aren't as good. Steve Bannon's not a very funny guy, so him writing comedy for, for Trump is not, is not strong. But the, this is the way the media plays everything. Trump is right to complain about the media coverage because it's, an, it's asinine. Uh, there's a member of the Smith family, so this is the Al Smith dinner, uh, and a member of the Smith family says, oh, Trump went too far. Not Hillary, Trump went too far. Donald had some very solid minutes in the early on, and uh, eventually he crossed the line and took it a little too far. Hillary, uh, you know, on the other hand, um, was able to laugh at herself and at the same time uh, not underplay any of the serious things that Donald Trump has said or done. 
Okay, so you know, again, they're all going to to make the case that Trump is some sort of outlier here, that Hillary's glorious. They're two sides of the same coin, and that's really what we saw last night. Okay, it's gonna be a little bit of a short show because of the technical difficulties today. But uh, let's do some things I like, and then some things I hate, and then a little bit of mailbag. So things I like. Uh, so I was trying to think of comic books that I like because I haven't been. I read a fair number of graphic novels and comic books, and I haven't recommended a lot of them. Uh, the best one that I think has ever been put out is uh, is Long Halloween. Uh, written by Jeff Loeb and uh, and Tim Sale. Jeff Loeb is is the creative director on Daredevil. Uh, the Long Halloween is is the best Batman comic. It, it it doesn't you know kind of stray into the magical territory that a lot of Batman comics tend to do with the aliens and the superpowers and this kind of stuff. It's much more about Batman as the detective. Uh, it's great. The sequel is also great. Dark Victory, both really really good. Um, check it out. It's it's really a lot of fun. Uh, the the long Halloween uh, Batman Batman graphic novel. Okay, let's do so. Let's do at least one thing I hate. So today's thing I hate. Since we have to cut it short, I had so many things I hated today, but unfortunately, the, it starts with the technical problems on the show. That I hate the most. But the, the thing I hate the second most is Laura Ingram, who's just gone completely off the rails. I mean, Laura is an intelligent woman, but. She has just made a fool of herself in this election cycle, and uh, and she's now desperate to blame everybody but herself for Donald Trump's impending electoral doom. So who she's going to blame? She's going to blame the Republicans who say that they're not going to vote for Donald Trump because they find him to be unpalatable as a candidate and as a human being, and he doesn't meet the basic standards for earning a vote. And so what does she say? She says the reason that never Trump isn't voting for Trump is because they must be in favor of abortion, which is just the stupidest crap I have ever heard. And for all these never-Trumpers out there, they need to get off their keister, if you will. Just stand up hey, and Governor, recognize uh, there I'll is say the word. a Governor, clear choice here, their- yeah, Just say, say the word. Come on. Yeah. Tell them to get off their <laughs> yeah. start be- Stop being a bunch of crybabies. Keister, come on, Governor. That- you're aging yourself They're now. standing, Governor, they're standing with the woman who stood up there today and said, I'm for 100% for Roe versus Wade and partial birth abortion. That's what Never Trump stands for, I guess, Roe versus Wade and partial birth abortion. Okay, this is sickening. This is sickening. It's sickening particularly because there's only one candidate in the 17 who was ever for partial birth abortion, the one that she was pushing. There's only one candidate among the 17 in the primaries who she was pushing who said that they like Planned Parenthood. There's only one candidate among those 17 who was talking about nominating justices who did not care about Roe v. Wade. There's only one candidate who's being boosted by people like Ann Coulter by saying, I don't care if Trump performs abortions in the White House so long as he builds the wall. Okay, this is stupidity. You nominated a bad candidate. Me pointing out that he's a bad candidate is not what's going to make him lose. Him being a bad candidate is what's going to make him lose. Okay, consider what I do color commentary because it basically is right. Okay, if I point out that the Cubs beat the Dodgers last night, I didn't make the Cubs beat the Dodgers last night. I pointed out a fact. The Cubs beat the Dodgers last night to my everlasting regret and shame since I'm a White Sox fan. Okay, but this idea that never Trump is to blame because these people, the three on this screen, helped push Trump to victory in the primaries, and then he imploded during the general election, and we said we're not part of this because he doesn't meet our basic moral criteria is asinine. By the way, every election pits a couple of people, every election between two Democrats, we get these in in, in California all the time, pits two people who have differences on the issues. That does not mean that I am obligated to vote in every election, nor does it mean that I embrace the agenda of the person who wins. 
If I wanted to vote for Hillary Clinton, I'd vote for Hillary Clinton. I'm not. And one of the reasons I would never vote for Hillary Clinton is specifically because of her stance on abortion. If we're going to talk about abortion politics, let's be real about something. Donald Trump it was never and is never going to appoint justices who overturn Roe v. Wade. Donald Trump is not and never was going to fight very hard against Planned Parenthood since he's not made that a priority and said so in the primaries. Donald Trump's pro-life position is extraordinarily weak. Beyond that, the fact is that right now abortion law is relatively set because Congress is in the hands of Republicans. Hopefully it stays in the hands of Republicans. But the idea that Donald Trump was the great God King Savior when it came to abortion is ridiculous. And the people who foisted the pro-choice until five seconds ago Trump on us in the primaries and then insist that we jump on the bandwagon or we're on or we're on the side of abortion. I mean, it's really, it's really gross. It's really gross. You don't get to play this game where you stick us with a turd sandwich and then you suggest that if we don't take a bite, it's our fault if the turd sandwich doesn't become president. Maybe you shouldn't have cooked it, Laura. Okay, this is this is your fault. And and you know, I I don't blame people for voting Trump to stop Hillary. I don't blame people at all for doing that. I consider whether I ought to do that every morning and every evening. I mean, I spend a lot of my day trying to decide what I'm going to do in this election. And I'm somebody who's, you know, considered never Trump because I say that I'm not gonna vote for Trump. You know, every day I have to consider whether that's right, true, and good. And I think the good people have to consider that about their vote for Trump. But to say that it's just as simple as, you know, putting a, a going out there and openly siding with a guy who is smearing the conservative brand for every growing demographic in America simply to lose by 10. And if you don't do that, then you must be in favor of killing babies on the day that they're supposed to be born. It's just it's pathetic and it's not true. And it's and it's an insult to morality. And Laura Ingram knows better. But since she's a demagogue, she really doesn't give a crap. OK. Time for a couple of mailbag entries. Uh, Kevin, we're doing a little mailbag extra because we had to cut it short yesterday. And Kevin writes, hey, Ben, not a stoner or a pothead, but out of curiosity, what's your take on marijuana legalization? Uh, I'm in favor of marijuana legalization. I have been in favor of marijuana legalization for a long time. That's not because I'm in favor of marijuana use. I think people who smoke marijuana are generally annoying. Okay, I went to school with a lot of them when I, was in, when I was in college, when I was in high school, and I find them really annoying. If it were up to me and I were a fascist dictator, then I would make it illegal. But I'm not a fascist dictator, so long as you're not harming anyone else, I don't really see the, the issue. People drink, people smoke marijuana. We already have laws against you driving while being drunk. We already have laws against you mistreating other people. And it seems to me that, we're, that the, gov- the federal government and state governments suck royally when it comes to policing generally. And so the idea that, that they're going to do a good job when it comes to policing marijuana, I just don't see the evidence of that. When I was in junior high, it was much easier for a seventh grader to get pot than to get a can of beer. Maybe if you regularize it and make, and make it part of the taxable system and make people show ID to get it, you'll actually have a better shot of preventing children from getting it. Adam writes, Dear Ben, if Ken Bone and Harambe were each running for president, who would you vote for? Clearly Harambe. Ken Bone has all sorts of oppo that's been dumped on Ken Bone, uh, which I feel bad about. But you know, you make your own bed and you lie on it if you're Ken Bone running for president of the United States. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to we have to cut it short because of technical inconvenience today. But don't worry, we'll be back next week. We won't be back Monday or Tuesday because it's more Jewing. Uh, it's it's Jewish holiday Monday and Tuesday. Um, but after that, uh, then we will be uh, we will definitely uh, be back on Wednesday, Thursday. We may have a Friday show, and I think we I think we do next week. We'll find out. But in any case, there will be plenty more of Ben Shapiro show. Try not to ruin everything in the next five days. Actually, Actually, you know what? Who cares? You already ruined everything. Party in the ruins. Enjoy it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 